Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. How many Superman fans in the space? A couple hands. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Um, we all have our favorite superhero that we gravitate towards. And so maybe for you, it is, it is Superman. I remember as a kid, my dad loved Superman and we would watch Superman movies. And I can remember this one scene, don't remember the movie exactly, where Superman kind of flies in to an inferno. And it's probably like in every one of the Superman, so that might be why I don't remember. Uh, and rescues a man from the flames and, and carries him up in his arms. And while Superman is holding this man who was just saved from the fire, the man begins expressing fear uh, to Superman and, and says, I'm, I'm afraid that if I fall from this height, I'm going to die. And here's Superman's response. Yes, we're going to get to scripture, but I'm going to quote Superman first, if that's okay. Um, <laughs> Superman says, do you think I have enough power to save you from the fire, but not enough power to safely take you home. You didn't know how theological Superman was and how deep he was. And then here, here we are at Blaze Church um, springboarding off of Superman. Think of that. In this media portrayal, this man that is just super strong in all things, you know, one weakness, kryptonite, and just we look to as a superhero. And his words are so true for us today. Do you not think that I can save you from the fire and that I can't take you safely home? Here's how I want to frame it for us today, because maybe your week was like mine in some ways, where we believe that God has the power to save and rescue us for all eternity, that Christ has paid the price for our sins, that Christ has made us whole, that we are a new creation and assured of eternity with him, and we will be in the resurrection, and then we can have a really hard, dark day here and now and actually believe, well, you can save me then, but I don't think you're powerful enough in this. This is too dark. This is too heavy. This is too painful. This is too much. And we believe in the God of eternity, and we can't believe in the God of the present. And that's the tension that I want us to lean into this morning as we look at another name of God. If you find yourself today struggling with today, knowing there's a God over all eternity, but wondering where is he now because of this loss, because of this pain, because of this news, lean into the name of God that we'll discover this morning. Uh, this series, we're taking from one verse in Scripture found in Proverbs, Proverbs 18.10. It says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. I'm going to ask all of us to read this as this week and next week is our last time with this verse. I want us to read it so loud. If you just saw, we had some tweens is what we called them. Did they just wander back there? I heard noise. I want to disrupt their class, okay? They're right behind the curtain. Uh, we have so many kids there putting your children in closets, everybody. Um, they're clean closets. They're good closets. Uh, but let's read this verse nice and loud that we bother them. Come on. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. It's God's word. And we said in the first week, there is both a promise and a problem with this 
verse. The promise is those that run to the Lord find safety. The problem is we don't always run to him. And we certainly can't run in our own righteousness. We need the righteousness of Jesus over us. The scripture says there is none righteous, no, not one. So we have a promise and a problem, but we've also learned that God is the God who reveals himself. When he's asked, what is your name? His response to Moses in Exodus was, eh, yeah, the Hebrew word meaning I will be. I will be everything. And he adds to that. And as we saw last week, he is eh, yeah, and we learn sabah. Jehovah Sabah, the Lord, our warrior. And today we will discover another name of God. Now, last week we looked at David and Goliath. And if you weren't with us, you can go visit that message online. But now we're going to look at another aspect of David's life. But he's no longer a shepherd boy. He is now king over Israel. And he is a musician. He is a poet. And he writes and we're going to read what might be one of David's most popular poems of all times, Psalm 23. And my prayer today, as we read this psalm in its entirety, don't be nervous, it's six verses, you'll be home in time for lunch and kickoff. But as we read its entirety, if you know this psalm, and maybe you do from a, a funeral or a wedding or from church background or your own walk with God— Please don't become numb to familiar text. May it be fresh in our hearts this morning as we read this, because I want us to discover the name of the Lord that is introduced and then how that name needs to be known, especially remember the tension on the hard days when we know we can trust him for eternity, but we wonder where he is on Wednesday. So David writes this, and David has a history of being a shepherd. It was part of his childhood. And so as he writes, he has so much knowledge of what it meant to be a Jewish shepherd. And I want to show you maybe some things you didn't know about shepherds of this time that make his writing that much more beautiful as he attributes it to the Lord. So here's how he begins in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Say this with me. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. That first phrase there, we are introduced to the name of God that we need to know on the days where we wonder, are you there? Do you care? I know you've got me for all eternity, but it feels so hard to know your presence now. Here is what his name is in Hebrew. Jehovah Rohi. The Lord, our shepherd. And that word rohi truly means to tend or pasture or shepherd. So think of this. David, who was a tender of sheep, who was a shepherd to sheep, now looks to the Lord his God and says, the way that I would tend to those sheep, and we're going to see how beautiful that is as we walk through the psalm, the way I would care for those sheep, you have cared for me. The Lord, the one who is the star breather, who, who creates out of nothing all that we see, the one who is infinite, that God who is so grand, so big and immense, David says, at the same time, you are so personal and you are so known. You are the one who tends to me. Now, before we read on, 
we can't get past the first five words of this psalm. What were they? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, we don't get the promise of the rest of the psalm if that statement is not true for you. And the, the real issue word in this statement is my. The, David's making a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd. To which I want to ask you this morning, is he? Is he your shepherd? Notice David's not introducing something false about the Lord here. The Lord is the shepherd, he could say. He knows that about God. He is the one who tends and pastures the, the sheep and cares for his own. The question that needs to well up as we begin this psalm that you and I need to ask is, can I actually say the Lord is my shepherd? Is he personally my shepherd? Now, before we quickly nod our heads yes and amen and move on to the rest of the psalm, in order for the Lord to be your shepherd, there's a couple of acknowledgments that need to happen. The first is you need to acknowledge that you are a dumb, dirty sheep. You good with that? Because most of us are not good with that. That's the gospel. The good news. Here's the good news. You're a lost sheep. You are wandering. You have no way of saving yourself. You cannot rescue yourself. Sheep are dumb. They are dirty. They are dependent on another. They are defenseless. Those words combat our American thinking of how great we are. <laughs> that totally pushes against. When you look in the mirror, not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> not too bad. I'll take it. You look at your accomplishments. You look at another person and say, well, at least I'm not as bad as that guy. Right? So to acknowledge the Lord as my shepherd, Scripture tells us we need to acknowledge that we are sinners who are lost with no way of saving ourselves. You can't be good enough. How good is good enough? Not good enough. That's how good. Scripture, repeatedly, we see this theme. It is God's grace and his coming to sinful humanity. It's a gospel of grace. He meets us where we are, and he tends to us. So for us to say the Lord is my shepherd, we need to acknowledge, well, I am, I'm a defenseless sheep that needs a shepherd. And then there's another acknowledgement. Who is your shepherd? Is it, in fact, the Lord? Now, here's what I know about this room. I just know this about you, even if we never met. I don't, you don't know me. I know you. Just hold on a second. I know that every single person has a shepherd in their life. Every person. For some of you, the shepherd is you. How are you doing with that? You ever make a bad choice? You ever wander? You ever be familiar with this word, regret? For some of us, our shepherd is our career. It drives us. It, it leads us. We make choices based on how it will impact our career. For some of us, it's our children. It's our spouse. It's our family. It's our relationships. We, we allow our family to drive our decision-making, our scheduling, our emotional responses. Our relationships lead us and guide us. Now, here's the problem with every one of those shepherds. Those shepherds let us down. 
those shepherds at some point demand of us, if you really want me to lead you, you're going to lose everything in the process and it is going to be painful. In other words, the shepherd's over here and says, fine, you want me? It's going to cost you so much for you to get me. Here's the difference of the good shepherd. Jesus says this in John. I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So these shepherds that you and I could live for, that career, hey, it is not going to lay down its life for you. It's just not. The status that you're trying to accrue, the accomplishment, the self-worth, yourself, your family, all good things. Every time I say that phrase, I think of Olaf. All good things, all good things. Parent, it's just uh, always. I have little ones, eight and six. All these good things, but they will never lay down their life for you. The good shepherd lays down his life for you. Now, don't miss this. Then he calls you to lay down your life for him, but in response. It's in response. So it's not, it's not in order for me to get you, Jesus. No, no. Jesus lays down his life for you so that you can come. And as he says, if you want to follow me and be my disciple, you're going to pick up your cross. You're going to deny yourself and you're going to follow me. But it is not out of so that, but it's out of because you have. He, he's laid down his life for you. And then we can look at him and we can say, I love that you did that for me, but I'm still following this shepherd today. And that shepherd will not lay down its life for you. I just, I don't want to move past these five words because we can get all excited about the quiet streams and the dark valley and the, and the anointing and we're going to get there. But if he's not your shepherd close the book. It, there has to be an acknowledgement. You have to call on his name. Now, here's the beauty. He's inviting you to do that. Like, call on his name and say, God, I no longer want to live for myself. I don't want to be marked by sin. I want to be a sheep in your care. And he is the good shepherd. And then he goes on, and what we kind of know, and we're going to get into the promises now, he says, I, I shall not want. When the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything that I need. I, there is no wanting in me. Now, don't confuse this with health and wealth and prosperity. That's not what David is referring to. David knew, David was on the run from his son for years. Like his son who was trying to kill him in order to take the throne. And yet he claims contentment and I shall not want well, he's traveling with a bunch of hooligans that are now his army, like 400 rough and tough guys that become David's mighty men. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some lack there, but he, I shall not want because the Lord's my shepherd. Here's, the, here's an example of this from the, the New Testament writer Paul. He, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Do, do you see the, the, the perspective of Paul, of David, of maybe people you know? Maybe it's you. Sure, I am hungry right now. I am well-fed. I, I have surplus. I have a little. And yet I can declare, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
Could you imagine how your week would be if you operated in contentment? Think of the peace of God that would rule in your mind and your heart if you were just content. I'm not getting duped by no iPhone 14. I've been getting text messages from T-Mobile all week long. You can upgrade today. And, and I'm just like, bro, I am content right now. Like, but we live in a world that's always trying to tell us, you, you want, you need more. Don't be, don't be content. No. When the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. He meets our needs. And with that, let's move through the psalm and let's see some specifics of the needs that our shepherd meets. So David goes on and says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Let's say this line together. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Have you ever been burnt out before on life? All of us? Can I get an amen from somebody who's human? <laughs> we're, we're burnt out, just tired. I mean, we're still coming off of, but 2020 was like a dog year. It was like seven years in one. You're just tired. You feel like you're I just don't have my passion anymore. The things that used to bring me joy, I'm now struggling to, to move and get out of bed, and we long for restoring. Well, God has a plan for restoration for your soul. Let me show you the plan. It's, it's there. David first says, He makes you lie down in green pastures. The situation that you're in today, the one that makes us question, God, I know you can save me for eternity, but can you rescue me from this here and now? Could it be that you're in this situation so that you would realize you have no other option but to just lie down? And I'm not, not talking physically, although it may be that. I'm talking just throwing your hands up and saying, I have I've strategized. I have fought this thing. I have played this scenario over and over. Maybe it's not changing because God wants you to just lay down. And he's going to make you lay down through that situation. Amen. If you've ever raised children before or you're familiar with this horrible aspect of parenting young ones, uh, we know that they need to take a nap. We, we know that they need to go to sleep for their good. Pray for my wife and I right now. We're just navigating this with one of our children where bedtime is just long and drawn out. And we're like, we know what's best for you. You need to lie down. But there's, there's the fighting and there's the excuses and there's just one more book and now I'm hungry and now I'm thirsty. Now I have to pee because I drank so much. And when the child just throws their hands up and we make them lie down, they're restored. And we can laugh at children. But how many know we hate taking naps? We, it, it combats productivity. If I let this thing go, then who's going to solve it? Um, the Lord, your shepherd, maybe? Maybe he'll give you the wisdom that you need to actually see this through, but you're so busy worrying that we can't even hear him. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to make you lie down. It's nap time. I read this quote, and I hope it convicts you the way it convicted me. Dr. Tony Evans says, Have you considered that perhaps God hasn't changed the situation you're in because he's waiting for you to relinquish your rebellion, let go of your self-sufficiency, and lie down? 
And we push back and say, oh, no, it's not rebellion. If you're pushing against the Lord, your shepherd, it is rebellion. If his plan for you is trust me, trust me with your finances, trust me with your life, trust me with your time, trust me with the people in your life, and we're saying, I don't know that I can do that. That whole seek you first thing and you'll add it all, I, I just, I can't. I'm just overwhelmed with worry. Matthew 6, Jesus says, do not worry. So watch this. If Jesus, you and I worry, that's rebellion. Do you know when I realized that? It was like, oh my goodness, my worry is in fact a sin when the Lord tells me not to worry. To trust him. I just hope today is breathing some life into you that you would know this is what's possible when the Lord's your shepherd. And, and, then, and then what do we read? He leads us by still waters. He's going to bring us to those quiet streams. You know, sheep could not take a drink from water that was moving too fast. It terrified them. Remember, they're dumb. Like, I'm not, I'm not drinking from the Atlantic. I, I need still water. And so what does God do in the middle of chaos? He says, here's still waters for you. That's his presence. That's the one who stood up in the temple and said, I am the living water. Come and drink me. Jesus. David goes on and says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Come on, who's ever wandered through life before? You know what we call that? 18. <laughs> 19. When you're told you graduated high school, now figure out the rest of your life and don't screw it up. Well, we call that a midlife crisis. We, we, we call that every day where we just feel like, am I doing this right? Am I parenting right? I feel so confused about this. I'm not sure of this. Sheep wander. I, I don't know how some of you did it. So uh, for me, when I was in high school, my, my graduating year was when the iPhone came out. So throughout my driving, I've known Garmin. I've known a little GPS, just stick it on the windshield. I don't know how you guys did it with the maps and you're like, We've got no phones. We've got no way. Like, all right, we're doing a road trip. And like, I literally don't know if I'll see you again because you can't even call me when you get there. Uh, I don't know about quarters and toll boots. I'm an easy pass generation. Right, so I'm so grateful when I get in my car still to go to my own house that I've lived at for 10 years, I use my GPS just in case. And also to know the traffic pattern in case I'm gonna get on the you know, service road. And, and here's what I know about Maps app and GPS that humanity created, right? The created made this. We know how to make devices that will get us to the destination. We know how to form technology that will reroute us when we wander. So can't we trust in the Lord our shepherd who will lead us on a path of righteousness? Yeah. Like, th think of that tension that we, I got more faith in an iPhone sometimes, than to trust the Lord who says, I'm leading you down a path of righteousness. Yeah, but God, this doesn't make sense. Why would this be happening if I'm on your path? I'm leading you down a path of righteousness. And to those of us in this space who feel like I have wandered so far off the path that there is no way that God can ever get me to the destination he destined for me, yes, he can. If your maps app can reroute, the Lord our shepherd certainly can. And when he speaks, are we sheep that will follow his lead? Or will we keep wandering? And so God is, that's, that's who he is. You're not disqualified. 
acknowledge your need for the Lord our shepherd today. Now David begins to think about moments where he was protector of the sheep. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the dark valleys, in the challenging moments, when you wake up and you receive the news and your world crashes, there's two things to know from this. If the Lord is our shepherd, the first is that you and I are not alone in the valley. Even though I walk through the valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's, you might be in a dark valley, but you are not alone in that dark valley. The Lord is with you. But how many know we can forget that in the dark valley? We can forget it. And that's why I, I love seeing so many of these out there today. Join a small group. Because next Sunday is small group Sunday where we're going to have all of our small groups open for you to join. And we're going to celebrate with some pancakes and syrup. Amen. It's going to be awesome. But, but here's why I know. Because when you're in the dark valley, it is so easy to forget the Lord is with you. And here's what we believe at Blaze Church. We need community to remind us you're not alone in this thing. I may not be able to empathize with your exact situation, but I'm going to point you to the Lord, your shepherd, who is with you. And I'm going to pray with you, and we have three values of small groups. Connect, protect, and grow. We connect with one another. We protect each other, which means we carry one another's burdens, and we grow together. And you may not have known this, but there's super small fine print in those little dots. All of you just joined a small group and you wore a sticker, okay? So you can get your pancakes next week for it. But... First, we're not alone. And, and secondly, we fear no evil. In, in the dark valley, we fear no evil. And, and you got to read Ephesians 6 to understand this in its entirety. And I cannot go into it this morning in 35 minutes. But Paul writes in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers of darkness in this age. And in the darkest valley, hey, I've got the Lord as my shepherd here. There is no evil that will overcome me here. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not going to fear any evil. I'm going to pray. I'm going to put on the armor of God. And notice, he says, when I walk through the valley, don't sit down in the valley. Don't make it a whining session in the valley. And I'm talking about like complaining or whining session, okay? <laughs> I was just going just to sit here and I'm just going to sorrow for this thing. I'm going to set up camp here. I walk through the valley. I walk through it. I continue to follow my shepherd who's with me, who says I fear no evil. And, and, and notice that he has a rod and a staff that bring comfort. So let's learn a little bit. The rod was actually an attack weapon that the, the shepherd would carry, like a club, in order to beat off animals from taking the sheep. And, and the staff was a walking stick that would also double as another weapon if needed, like dual lightsabers if needed on this, this bear that's coming at my sheep. Notice David understands the rod and the staff actually bring comfort to the sheep. Like God's using that not to beat you up 
in the valley. But what did we learn last week? The battle belongs to the Lord. I just find so much comfort in knowing that he protects us even in the valley. Let's finish up. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So some fascinating information about a shepherd that brings this verse even more to life. Uh, The shepherd carried a belt that would hold a cloth. And whenever the shepherd found a lost sheep, they would spread the cloth out and set some grass or fodder on it so the lost sheep could come over and eat. You know, sometimes when you're lost, all you really need is is a double Big Mac, and you're, you're good. Like, I'm feeling so much better now. And the shepherd would just set up that cloth so the sheep that was lost might eat. Now, watch this. While the sheep was eating in the safety of the shepherd, the foxes, coyotes, hyenas, those enemies would keep their distance from the sheep. So you may be going through a moment right now where you feel like you are just attacked on all sides. It's close to home. It's at your job. It's every, you just feel like, I, I can't catch a break. And the Lord our shepherd, even there, is not overwhelmed by the enemies, but rather he prepares a meal for you there. He says, like, I'm going to be that close. Share a meal with me. And today we are going to do that. We're going to share the Lord's Supper together as a church family. The meal that the Lord gave us to remember. He's with us. And then it says, you anoint my head with oil. I found this to be so, so interesting. Sheep would often go looking for berries and wander into thickets. Remember, not too bright up here. Just, Just walk into some bushes. And when the shepherd would retrieve the sheep because of the thicket, its head would be cut or bleeding because of the thorns. And so the shepherd would place oil on its head and begin to massage the wound. And as I read that verse and read that information this week, I thought of all the grieving that has taken place this week in our own church family. I thought of those of you who lost family members. Uh, We had someone who was in the hospital this week. Uh, People who are, their marriages are feeling lost and broken. And my prayer is that you would know there is the Lord, your shepherd, who wants to just soothe that wound in you. Like he just wants to, he just wants to soothe the wound. Just keep coming back to the Lord, our shepherd, that has that oil of grace for you. To just know, God, you know my pain. You are familiar with my pain. Hebrews tells us that. Hebrews is a book in the New Testament, and the author writes that we don't have a high priest that is removed from our pain. He knows the pain you have. He's familiar with it. And he has the means to just massage that wound with his grace. And David ends this way, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Three things to note. David does not start off saying, perhaps, goodness and mercy. Maybe. Because remember, the tension that we start off with, Superman, you can, you can save me from the flame, but can you carry me safely home? Can you protect me today? Surely, his goodness and mercy are there. And those two qualities of God really create the core of who he is, his goodness and his mercy. Not perhaps. And then David writes, I'm just going to dwell in the house of the Lord. Now, 
David, um, there was no temple when you wrote this. What, what are you talking about, the house of the Lord? In fact, David might have been on the run when he wrote this, in the wilderness. And yet he says, but I'm going to dwell in God's house. He understands being in the presence of God is a priority for us. It, it is essential. Now fast forward. Today, we have this divine and beautiful opportunity and privilege to gather here this way as Paul writes to the church of Corinth on the first day of the week to come together. And I would encourage you, make this essential in your life. And then he writes this, forever. Forever. So David's not just thinking here and now, He's thinking forever. And there's this beautiful statement that Peter makes in Scripture. He says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That's pointing to the hope that we have that Christ is going to return someday. And the word that Peter uses is unfading. Forever. That our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, will appear. And yes, we will dwell in his presence for all eternity. But let's not think in our hearts that God could save me from the fire, but he doesn't have the means to be with me now in the dark valley. He certainly does. He'll make you lay down. He's going to lead you down a path of righteousness, be with you in the valley. He's going to prepare the table and anoint your head. And surely his goodness and mercy are with us. And I believe today that in, in light of just our world and what we see in, in our culture and the heartache and the pain in what you and I experience in our day-to-day -day lives, Jehovah-Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, comes back to the five words, is he your shepherd? In just a moment, our worship team is going to lead us in a song of response that points us to our God who provides, who meets all these needs that we've read of today. And our welcome team will come and they will distribute the communion elements. And I'll encourage you that if you have called on the Lord, he is your shepherd, then today remember his sacrifice as we take what Christ has given us. So they'll come around during the song and distribute. And if you'd like to celebrate do so. And just hold on to the cup till everybody has, and then I'll lead us in a time of communion. But I want to ask you this morning, is the Lord your shepherd? Have you called on his name? And could it be that you've called on his name, but if you're truly honest, you know I've been allowing something else to shepherd me. Something else has been leading me. Something else has been guiding me. Someone else is calling the shots. But today, I'm coming back to the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads as we begin to pray and respond through prayer, through confession, through turning to the Lord and calling on his name. Father, this morning we thank you that you are the good shepherd. Your son came and declared, I am the good shepherd. Father, we thank you that you saw us lost in our brokenness and you sent your son to be the way, the truth, and the life. We thank you that your son laid down his life so that we might be saved, made new. And our response is what Jesus said. We lay down our lives. We deny ourselves. We pick up our cross and we follow you. So Holy Spirit, would you reveal now in this moment 
the other shepherds that we have allowed to lead in our lives. May we not be pulled in different directions. May we not chase and follow things that promise but ultimately kill. You alone laid down your life for us, Jesus, and we praise you for that. God, I do offer a prayer to you asking that your comfort would be with those who are hurting most in our church. With those who are grieving, with those who carry pain and heartache, with those who are praying for their children, for their family to live for you. God, in the dark valley, we look to our shepherd who is with us. We thank you for this reminder today that this is the name we run to. We find safety in Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. In your name we pray, amen.